Pod Clubhouse. Hey everyone, this is Aisha from Pod Clubhouse, and welcome to Podcast of the Ancient Dawn, a Lovecraft Country podcast. And we are back with episode four, History of Violence. And so we've got Sean, Ashley, and Kenny again. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good. Doing great. Awesome. So anybody want to tackle what History of Violence means to them, the title of our episode? It immediately spoke to me, um, not that I have a history of violence or even come from one, but the first thing I thought, what with the complicated familiar relations we have in this show, is I'm like, okay, well, we're going to get into why um, Atticus's dad is such a jerk, I guess. Maybe there's a history of violence there, sort of a cycle that he didn't break. And maybe we'll get a little more about that. That's what I expected going in anyway. That's an excellent point. I was going a little bit more high level. I was thinking, okay, 1950s Jim Crow, the history of violence against black folks at that time. That's what I was thinking going mm. into it. Um Honestly, Kenny, I'm probably more inclined to agree with you now that I've seen the episode, but that was my first thought when I saw the episode title. Yeah, the title definitely made me think of that as well in terms of this country's history of violence. And then as I watched the episode, I thought a lot more about like bloodlines Mm. and lineage. Actually, Kenny, when you brought that up, that was my line of thinking too. And I thought um, I'd mentioned it in an earlier podcast. Where were we going to see the the natural progression of their relationship, the father son relationship? And that was very interesting to all of us. We all mentioned that in the podcast and how we had, you know, personal connections to that. But it's definitely good to see more of Montrose. And I, you know, we, we said we love the character. We, we love the character. We love the actor, number one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having him a little bit more expanded in this in this episode was really good to see. I, I like what he's becoming to the show. I really appreciate, and it took me until this episode to start feeling this way, but I really appreciate the type of character that he is. He's very nuanced. And it, it, as, a, as a writer myself, he's the type of story, type of character really that can drive a story in many different directions because his motivations are very complex. Therefore, his actions can run a very wide gambit as we saw. And then he can have other moments where we're like, whoa, okay. And I I think he just has a lot to do. And his secretive motivations are something I'm really interested in, in learning Mm -hmm. a lot more about how he uh, ticks for, (laughs) to make a, you know, I'm interested to see (laughs) what it, what it is, is driving this guy to do all this stuff this way. I caught the pun, Kenny. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I didn't catch that until just now. (laughs) Well, the one thing I noticed, I wanted to say about this, and I say noticed, I wanted to say about this. So the episode title gives you nothing about this episode from the standpoint that we've been in the supernatural, we've been mm-hmm. in the horror, and this episode, we went straight up Indiana Jones, Raiders Lost Ark, yes. Last Crusade. <laughs> it was just like one of those serialized, like, explorer adventure stories that you just know you're going to have a great time watching with, you know, suspenseful moments and dangerous animals and crazy pitfalls. And I, I just, I absolutely adored that because I grew up on those movies. I was little, little when Raiders came out and I was a teenager when last crusade came out, but I immediately saw the connections um, to, to different 
parts of the episode to those. And I absolutely was just like beside myself with that. And we can probably get into the, some of the details as we go through it. But that absolutely made me realize two things. One, I love this show more than anything I have seen recently. Mm. And two, we are truly never going to know what to expect with each new episode of this series. I really feel like there's something for everyone. And I definitely caught the Raiders of the Lost Ark vibes with caverns and hidden passageways and darkness and skeletons and near-death experiences and magical swinging ropes and all these different elements. Mm -hmm. um, I, I found that to be extremely exciting. And there really is something for everyone in, in the themes of the show. Kenny, what do you, is there any, um, so we're going to go to our, you can put your glasses on now. Okay. I'm, I'm adjusting <laughs> or, or them adjust right them. now. He's ready. He's ready. <laughs> our Atticus. Craft, our <laughs> Atticus, adjust your glasses. <laughs> adjust your glasses. If I see one more scene with them lopsided on your heads. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness. Driving me crazy. <laughs> no, it's driving me nuts. And I swear they start off the right way and then they cut to him again. And he's like pushed one up. Oh Ed my goodness! Needs to it's cut it out. Continuity errors all, <laughs> all around. He's got to stop. Look, all four of us wear glasses at this yeah. class. We're all <laughs> like, <laughs> we all are feeling the yes. the same irritation. But you know, he's on the move. Okay, he got stuff to do. He doesn't have true. time to be messing he's... with those glasses. I get it. There's a lot of reasons he wouldn't care. Speaking of not caring, we got to bring in the Lovecraftian uh, vibe. I mean, what uh, is there in our Lovecraft? mythos something similar is there a adventure type story like this one is this just pulled out for this show or is this I, tied to anything i was looking for that too especially when lady braithwaite what is her name christina out, guys. christina thank you I, I can't remember her name all the time i just kind of refer to her as lady braithwaite but um when she goes looking for the orrery that reminds me of like the the mythos in terms of like the universe but I'm, I'm interested to hear what kenny says about the the lovecraftian mythos well to answer your question yes actually um and i had that thought through this episode a lot there's a lot of stories that are just like the one we got especially once it gets all subterranean and they're they're running around through the caverns with the water filling up and the doors sliding open with the mm -hmm. blood. So much of that is, is as I said, quintessential classic Lovecraft. Even Mountains yeah. of Madness, my favorite story um, from Lovecraft, is a story of crawling around in a mountain, looking at things that haven't been touched or disturbed for thousands of years. And there was a lot of that in this episode, too. The cult themes, as far as doors activating when you do certain things, as far as you having to pull levers here, stuff dropping down there, you know, all of that is is super Lovecraft. And I had the thought when Tick went down the hole, I was like, man, he is such a Lovecraft protagonist. There is no reason he should be. I mean, I know he needs the pages, but there are a million other, I don't know, hire a guy to go down here. You shouldn't go. The The further they go and the, the more they push forward, despite them being someplace they really shouldn't be. That, that's, mm. that's a really common theme in Lovecraft too, is people being places that humans shouldn't be at all. And the cool thing about this series is there's a big cultist vibe with this ancient dawn. So there's the impression that a ton of people have been to these places before and set up these traps and, and this, that, and the third. Um, but there's a huge precedent for adventures and stuff just like this in Lovecraft. And of course, the moment they went underground, I said, well, this has to connect to the house. I'm like, it, it just has to. Like, if, if they're in the same area, it's all one big underground thing, of course. Like, that that's how I assumed it. 
largely because video games work that way. And I, I think it would be easiest to have it all be connected. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there's a ton of precedent for it. Not even one specific story. It's just very consistent with Lovecraft's writing to be wandering around in these, uh, as someone said earlier, Indiana Jones style, adventure style temples and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this. Uh, they should never have walked on that log. They should never have done that. They should turn around immediately. And <laughs> I was gonna, back. I was going to propose that question to all of you. Like, would you mm. do? Would you take that plank? Would you do it? Oh, tell me, absolutely not. They're absolutely dead. Not. They're dead. They're so dead. Like we're I we're watching. Crawled. I was wondering, like, why no one tried to crawl across? Like, I know. I would have been, been on all fours. Exactly. And why did I, why did Letitia go first? She That's was, a good question. She's the smallest, and they can yeah. easily pull her up with the rope. Exactly. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm, hang on now. We have to. I, I don't even have a big mustache, but I feel like I want to twirl one. We got to myth bust <laughs> this right now. The idea that they would have been any help had she fallen Mm-mm. with that rope is just complete <laughs> lunacy. Like the the moment she fell off, that she's done. And if they try to hold her, they're going to. I'm. <laughs> she was like 15 feet out on this thing and they're like oh we totally got her she we, got, we got her we got it's her like, uh-huh. no. yeah that's true with that little with that knot no and then like oh man people were jumping on the the plank the two by four looking plank that stretched like a mile across the thing and just there were so many times I'm like oh, oh god there they go they're tumbling mm-hmm. down they're falling 30 40 who, who knows how far down I think that was my favorite scene of the whole episode that just them crossing that and, and then having Bontras be like, you better catch me boy. Like that was hilarious. <laughs> after he dropped that bag. I mean, it just, it was, it, it had me biting my nails, you know, that type of scene. I was like, Oh my God. Like, you're right there. Somebody's going to fall. This is it. They're done. The moment he jumped, I went, do you see the size of that plank of wood? <laughs> exactly. The moment you jump, it's going to topple over and all three of you are done. And he caught him and they went ahead. As I'm like, you guys are really lucky. This is a, a show. Right. It's right. a TV show. TV magic. After just dropping TV that uh, sack. After just dropping right. his bag. Right. When he threw the sack, I said out loud, that's what, that's what happens. That's what happens when you're yep. messing around like this. You fumble because of course you do. Of course you do. In Lovecraft, the protagonist makes it across the impossible bridge, too. So that's also consistent. That's cool. Yeah. Kenny, you had me thinking, uh, well, it had me thinking of you. As soon as I saw them go into the tunnel with the water, I said, this links that tunnel underneath the house in Chicago, knowing they're right, in Boston, exactly. and saying, okay, this goes straight to what you mentioned about. Wow. The, I didn't, the, I know um, I didn't get it either. I the, was other like, the other dimension. The other dimension. Yes. Yes. And then, then he saw that oh. she saw the, the guy float by. So I think this is one of my neighbors. I was like, God, yeah, I should can tell it you. I all... jumped out. I jumped up and, went and just pointed at the screen like, yes. Right. I knew it. It, <laughs> it all came together. <laughs> I did. The, as really soon as did. she said that, I had the same thought. I was like, it's all coming together. That's right. It's one big thing. Thing. But Here I was like, go. but uh, okay, I know. And it, Sean, I said, but they're in Boston. And he goes, <laughs> I said, that's just a testament that's the to, point. right, that's a testament to the power, <laughs> to just how long this organization has been able to move freely, that they have a tunnel system. It's crazy. Yeah. Same. Love it. Well, I expect deep ones now. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I've adjusted my expectation. I, I expect before this is done, we're going to get fish people and the like. Oh, that, wow. That, that That's makes exciting. its way into most Lovecraft. It, if you're going to do Lovecraft, most people go to like Dagon type deal where you're doing fish people and aliens from the sea. Huh. That's, re- That's the most common well I see gone to for okay. Lovecraft. 
So if Lovecraft Country has not done that yet, which they haven't, not yet. I fully expect them to. And and now that they're someplace where, you know, it's subterranean water plays a big deal and that bottomless pit goes somewhere. Ooh. It goes somewhere. And typically yeah. in Lovecraft, that somewhere has something living in it. And, and so I'm interested to hmm. see as we get deeper into this, if they do sort of succumb to the temptation to get us some, some fish people in here and get yeah. that going on. I am interested to find out because that we'll can be grotesque and that can be done a whole sort of ways. Like, well, you I, know, I for movies. Said, right. I would have said that that's a little hokey for this series, but they've mm. demonstrated that they have the effects to pull right. some of this stuff. It's true. There we go. This is true. Right. Yeah. They have the effects to pull some of this stuff off. So even though it sounds kind of silly when you say it out loud, you know, fish people to them, they could make that really gross. Oh yeah. If they could they make can a baby make, head yeah. on top of a, a grown mm. man. Exactly. Look terrifying. Yeah. Make a corpse come back to life. Yeah. Uh-huh. You remember you that remember that scene in the in the, in the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith where he rounds the corner and he sees all the vampires huddled and pulsing yes. together yeah. in the dark. Yeah. Yep. That's what I imagine. I imagine Atticus Gross. or someone rounding a corner in a subterranean <laughs> thing and there's a bunch of fish people huddled in the dark in a corner like Whoa! and they all yeah, turn they just look up. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I picture something like that. And I'm not sleeping tonight. F- right. FYI, <laughs> FYI, don't watch this show before you go to bed. I'm not just, I mean, I know it comes on at night, but if you can, DVR, and then watch it in the daytime. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have had several nightmares about this show. Good. Yes. <laughs> I'm curious about the evolution of Tick in this episode and, and all the things we learn about him. And first off, him with him wanting to sort of just kind of go this on his own completely without his dad and without Letty Mm -hmm. and realizing that he can't do it alone. And then finding out that he has all these abilities, like his blood and and being able to speak an ancient language. I mean, what do you guys make of that? Because I've been really pondering the evolution of Tick throughout this, this episode. I think for me that Tick is, he's like the, he's a protector. Mm -hmm. What I've, what I've gathered from him is he, he was just trying, he wants to protect Letitia, he wants to protect his father, even though he's, you know, he's got, there's so many, so much pent up emotion and anger that he has with his father. Like, it's in his nature, even though we said there was not going to be a, that he's not the single hero in this story, but he is in a way because he really, he tries to embody that whole feeling of wanting to protect the people he loves around him. And after George's death, I think he feels like a failure in some way. And so I think he's just like, I got to do this. And then realizing he he needed the help, like you said, and, and went on off. Mm-hmm. So that was my that's kind of how I feel about it. A little bit of a redemption story, too. I mean, to your point, Aisha, he may have felt like he failed in those first couple of episodes. And now he's come back into it and he's starting to see that, yes, he has these powers, but he performs at his best when he's working together with the people close to him and the ones that he cares about. And that's when everything is, seems to click the best for him. That's what I've noticed in this episode. So I think, I mean, we still probably have a lot to learn about that character and a lot more of an interesting development to see, but uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I picked up from this episode. It's really cool to hear him say stuff like that because he, you know, he's the archetypical um, soldier guy. He's a man of action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead and talk about this one thing, but I love that Ticks. He's just so quick to make a decision. I love that about him. Like he'll literally go, "Oh my gosh, what's going on? I don't know." But if I if I punch it, maybe 
that'll help things make more sense. <laughs> and I, I love that sometimes he just goes to the quickest solution to the problem. It's practical. Mm -hmm. um, he continues to be a great Lovecraft protagonist because he just keeps finding reasons to push ahead. And that's key. Um, and I imagine it'll be even more critical going forward. The worse things get, you constantly need a reason why protagonists in these terrible situations are pushing forward. And job with grounding everyone in mm -hmm. this series, that everyone does have a reason to, to push through these horrible things. And I expect them to get worse before they get better. I think Tick has evolved in really cool ways. If he is using spells and stuff by the end, then I think he'll be completely, completely atypical. Like by the end of the series, he'll be like a cool, headstrong, you know, strong protector type who's not afraid to learn new things and uh, uh, sort of introduce new ways of thinking to himself and evolve in the interest of being better, being a better person, being a stronger person. He seems willing to embrace that. And that's really cool. Yeah, he seems to be becoming the kind of character that he idealized back in episode one when he talked about the characters that he likes to read about. And so it seems like he's almost pursuing that persona of the hero character yeah. that defies a lot. That, that's poetic. I that appreciate is. that because he's not, he's not doing it intentionally. Like he, he right. does have every reason to want to protect his family and Letty. He does have every reason to want to figure this stuff out. You know, just to even know what's going on with some of this crazy stuff. That's been pretty realistic and it's resonated with a lot of people. I was going to say, people really like this show. Mm. But seeing that, oh, yeah. people really do Big love time. the show. <laughs> I think after this, I think after episode three, it really, it's, it's, we're going to see even more like people talking about it. And then after this episode, I know we keep saying, but the next episode is even better <laughs> and the next one and the next one. But, you know, I think after this episode too, because it's so out there, it's so different. Yeah. They're also different that they're going to say that. Yeah. My friends are starting to hit me up like, okay, shit got real after the, the third episode right. in the basement. So <laughs> we got real, real. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so can we talk about I wanted to talk about if you guys had any thoughts on the man that Yahima and I don't know the name of the, the, the person where they get when they finally get in there and they get this the scroll the or the pages. Spirit. The two spirit mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Um the background on that, the Native American lore, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. You have any thought? I mean, where are we? Where have we gone with this? Like, do, what's tell me about I, how you feel? I I kind of think about it as definitely a non-binary, like specifically Native American term, mm -hmm. and then they're both feminine and masculine. It's almost beyond sexuality. It's about fulfilling like divine purpose. They were left there to basically herald uh, or, or like hold on to that scroll or hold on to the papers and, and basically serve a purpose. And like even in Native American lore, Two-Spirit is about like a third gender that basically transcends the, the, the societal norms. And that, those are just my thoughts on it. We're, um, we're, okay, so then I'm just – well, I mean – Going back into the story, though, and I right. get that. That's what I wanted to hear. But I was like, going back to the story and how Titus had conquered Guyana and mm -hmm. brought this per this person back as, as a slave, apparently, right? Yes. I just, I'm like confused. I'm a little confused on that part of the of the plot, I guess. That's where I'm getting with that. I, I kind of picked up on, what I what I did pick up on was the issue of the people, of, of, of their people being taken and killed and then 
losing trust because of oppression. And I thought about like how at every, at every level in, in, in American society and in the, in this show represented in this show, like whiteness is very oppressive and exploitative of people of color. Mm-hmm. And, and that particular group was wiped out in that community and so it caused this like level of distrust for two spirit for that person so much so that they were unwilling to then help tick and his people so now it's like even amongst people groups there's this distrust based on oppression and based on death and and fear you know so those are just some of my thoughts based on that that particular scene where Two Spirit comes back to life. I can't remember their name. I don't know if we're, I'm, I'm using the pronoun they, there, them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just because it's so, <laughs> it can be tricky. <laughs> they used it as, yeah, she's, I guess it was like Yahima. Yahima, yeah. Yahima Maracote. Mar- oh, Maracote, okay. Hey, goes, hey, I, I wrote it down. <laughs> Let me stop there. Go ahead and speak on it then. <laughs> no. so he's got it. Sean also understood the language. <laughs> Yes, I speak the language of Adam. Thank you. <laughs> Boo. He's enlightened. He's enlightened. Why, why are you booing me? Why are you booing me? <laughs> you know I'm right. Why are you booing me? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that that gave us complete Goonies vibes when oh, they walked yes. in. Where is One Eyed Willie? It was the Goonies. That's what it was. I yes. was thinking the Mummy. I'm like, what? What movie? What? What's resonating for me? And it was the, the Goonies. Mummy. Yes. Totally the Goonies. I said, yes. oh, here, there goes what I will eat. Yeah, Where's wow. Brendan? <laughs> wow. Do we give away our that. ages like that? I think I think at this point. Right? We've already done that. Yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> too, late. too late. Too late. I was sitting there, man, and like I was like, okay. I was like, how brave are they going to be? Like, It's not like she's going to come to life. Oh, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the transformation. And the... I'm so glad that they just started screaming because that was my first reaction. I was legitimately surprised that they went that route. I thought they were going an Indiana Jones route where they pull it out of her hand and she crumples to dust. and The right. place starts falling apart under their feet and they uh-huh. run out. And that kind of happened. But I definitely didn't expect uh, uh, her H-I-R, I guess, is the proper way. I didn't expect her to come back to life and reanimate in front of them, screaming. Or, it scared the shit out of me. I'm just gonna be <laughs> exactly. I wasn't prepared for it at all. And um, literally, I had mummy thoughts, too. Like, I say yes. I say a lot of things out loud if I'm watching TV and, like, reacting to it for the first time. And literally, was happening. I was like, oh, God, where's Brendan? We need Brendan Frazier. Oh, God. <laughs> Look at her. She's, she's literally reanimating. She's sucking all the things out. They need a cat or something. But then, okay. you know. She was on the up and up, and uh, the very next thing I thought, um, short-lived, but I had two immediate thoughts. Uh, One was, okay, so just fully naked then. Cool. Right. And the second, (laughs) I was like, like, none at all. You're like, that's what we're doing. (laughs) Like, I I took one look at it and went, okay, I, I see that you needed to communicate this to me. I am, however, a little mad you chose to flash me twice in, in, in like 30 seconds. You could, I don't know. You could have showed me a side portion where there's shadows and I could have, right. Like you could have hit me with some shadows. I'd be like, oh, cool. I get what's going on here. You have to straight up go look at it here. (laughs) Just, just, just bam, all of it. And I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) And then what we just went on from there. Um, but two things I had the thought immediately, um, after the nudity one is, um, 
that's actually also incredibly consistent. The, it's interesting that a lot of these older sci-fi writers and stuff did commonly use themes of, of, mm. of transsexual beings and beings who had both genitalia. Things like that came up a lot. Like mm-hmm. I used to encounter, even just when I was curious, it's Elric of Melnibor. There, there's like an old series about a elf who's an, an albino elf um, from another land and he gets into some really wacky adventures the witcher is based on it it is right and so that's that where series, i heard that there you go and so i i was poking around reading that series years ago to see where it all started right and a lot of that series has really out there things people merging five people merging into one person and experiencing mm-hmm. the same consciousness for 30 seconds stuff mm-hmm. like that and <laughs> in that they do commonly meet i think there's at least two characters i remember that that were transsexual just naturally they were born that way and that writing's super old that's like you know again 50s 40s stuff like that really interesting that that these types of characters have been in stories for a really long time it, it almost, if you if you have a, a long enough literary memory, it almost shoots down people pandering. I'm like, my good sir, that's entirely authentic to the type of story that this is. Mm. So much so that you could go back and find examples from 30 or 40 years ago. Do some research. Hit them with that big R. But the other thing I came ac- across with was, did anyone notice that she said, I do not blame you for the sins of your father? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because no, that, that is a controversial thing for a lot of people. The very, the mm-hmm. very, whichever way you fall on it, right? And I, I wondered when she said it. I was like, "Is this the author making a definitive statement on how he feels about this concept?" Hmm. Did anyone else think of think about that? I didn't even hear it to be honest. She definitely said that. it, and I was like, "Okay." I thought I thought more about the fact that she wasn't willing to help, and the lack of trust there. Uh, and, and the correlation between her lack of trust and the oppression of her people. Like, I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I'm not going to fall into being manipulated again. So I don't really want to help because I don't trust your spirit. And so that's kind of what I thought about it as. Mm. I feel like she could, like, sense his goodness, mm-hmm. you know, his his honesty. I don't know. I mean, ah! or maybe not. Well, when he's got Titus's blood running through his veins, the, the whole reason he can speak that language true. and even even access that space, you know, it's, called, it's almost like, hmm, how did you make it here, though? Like, yeah. I don't really know. Right, about, right. You know? They also did that in a very classy way. Very easy for them to go, what? What's that you say? You don't trust me. You don't. What's yeah. that? And just keep repeating it back like she's Lassie or something. Yeah. I, I appreciated that they, they sort of let the scenes breathe and just kind of had us hear him in one way while she heard him in another. Yeah, Didn't have to explain I'm, it, just trusted us to know. I'm almost nervous that that was a bit of foreshadowing about Tick. Like maybe he's going to turn heel on us. Mm. You know, I'm not sure. Ooh, but I'm, it, maybe. Yeah. Mm. That'd be pretty Lovecraft. So thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. See? Well, I'm getting it, Kenny. I'm getting it. <laughs> well, is it? Well, maybe, and that's that. Maybe that's what the trick they're playing, right? That you think mm-hmm. that it might actually really happen because we think we're almost satiated because we're like, oh, somebody turned, but it was Bondros. Mm. You know what I mean by killing mm-hmm. her, and then like, and you know, the and the end of the episode there, it's like what, right? And so you're like, oh, oh, snap! But really, maybe you're right. Maybe in the future, it it might be some foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, interesting love, I love the type of character he is because it's it's really cool to have a character in quote unquote the heroes group 
that routinely does things that can be considered anti-heroish or even even antagonistic. I love that because you could you when you do that when you have when you have a character like Montrose hanging out with all the good guys, you can have moments like this where even though everyone and the day is saved and they're out of the cave, apparently they're not safe at all. And there's no telling if any of them are besides maybe Tick. And there's no telling what else he has planned or, or what he's getting at, really. That's super interesting to me because every development they have that happens to them, it's how does, okay, how does Montrose see this and how is he going to react to it? You know, what's he going to do when no one else is looking? He's becoming that character on the show. It, it reminds me of early Walking Dead, the first couple seasons, how Shane mm-hmm. started to become. Oh, yeah. Where mm-hmm. you, you were always wondering, okay, Shane walked off on his own. Oh, God, what, what is, is he, he going do? to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. And I, I'm, 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 after this episode, I'm going to feel like that about Montrose. He's going to be like, yes. I'll be right back. And I'm like, oh, God, where's think- he going? I think this episode really does set us up for what we're going to learn about Montrose in, in future episodes and hopefully get to know him a, a lot better as well as a character. And the last part of the of the cast, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, go back into our Jim Crow's, our, our Jim Crow 1950s setting and talk about Ruby and her um, oh, yes. quest yes. to get this job at Marshall Fields. Yes. I thought it was interesting that at the beginning of the episode, we heard... Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna. I loved it, yes. And that was, the, that was Christina driving in her, you know, her Bentley. Right. And then and then juxtaposed with Ruby entering Marshall Fields, and we have the song I Got Money playing. Uh-huh. And it's like the, we, we automatically have a connection between these two women on opposite sides of, of this uh, divide. And her going into Marshall Fields and finding there's another woman of color, black woman in there working and just kind of feeling downtrodden by that. And it, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about Ruby's character and like what will happen with her in that, in that like what's going to happen with her? What's next? It was just a question in my mind as I was <laughs> really watching her character develop. Did they mention that she had already applied at this at the store? And she was I was just... wondering that too. I didn't pick up on that though. She I mentioned that I, I think like episode two or maybe okay. the first episode. She did. She sure did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say she I did. feel like I feel like also she must have, but it, it was pretty obviously implied. Mm-hmm. I feel like just mm-hmm. in the way everything. I think. Went down. Oh no, she said something about getting her resume together. So I think she's been scoping out the place and like trying to build up her resume is what she told yeah Letty. didn't didn't she say that? i was about to say didn't she say that to mm-hmm. letty yeah she was like yeah i don't she have time did. for you she i'm did. trying to do this thing yep. right mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i guess would be implied for, with the fact that she you know when she had that conversation with the employee like oh well you just applied on a whim okay you know like did that must know? have been wow. after she applied and maybe, maybe mm-hmm. i'm reading too much into it i don't know maybe i'm just a, a dirty lib <laughs> say that <The> moment. <laughs> well it, it seems like ruby feels like she can't catch a break you know that, and, yeah and, well my my wonder was what, were they not like plus size women is that the problem oh have, like, i you know i picked up women? i was thinking that as well yeah, yeah that's that the first thing i thought i was like is are yes. we just doing a rainbow of prejudice here like do we also not like like heavy set people mm-hmm. right like, not what, only is this? she a black woman she a bbw so, right. yeah it's like you know, so okay mm-hmm. nice Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this world yeah. sucks. This is really Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this world they built just quote, miserable to live I in. Can I quote you on that? Again? <laughs> right. This world yeah. sucks. This really is a Lovecraft. There you <laughs> go. That's our subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I, uh, man, it just makes me. It's those moments, you know, where you know, as black women, Ashley and I, we, mm-hmm. you just 
I don't know. I mean, for women in general, and especially in the, I would, I would assume we don't know. We never, we never lived in the fifties, but just to feel like when you finally can get jobs and you kind of get down to the world and contribute to society, like women were doing at that time, and then to be pushed down and, you know, the, the racism and that feeling during that time, it just makes me, that's what I love about the show because it's still pervasive throughout the show. And you're like, okay. This is our this is our background. This is where we're coming back to. And it's just I don't know the way that they weave all of these stories together just impresses me week to week. So it just right. makes it I, I just it something about that scene just really got to me this week. Mm-hmm. There's always scenes like that that get to you. But that one did. Poor thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. That was yes. exactly how it felt. Anybody else have anything else they want to talk about on this one? I'll, I'll say she did catch one break. She caught her one break. She sure did. Yeah, she, she sure did. One break. Listen. That's what I'm saying. Was... Well, she found well, her yeah. something she liked at the continent well. of practice. <laughs> so yeah, well, we've got more. We've got more to see on this front. So. I think we do. Yes. Is, we do. Is, can someone answer this for me? Can someone answer this for me? Is is he? Is are they the same per? Well, can he just keep watching? I just, we'll talk about I just, that next week. I'm I curious just, about that myself. I've never seen him in the same place at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> it's, right. It's like a Tyler yeah. Durden fight club situation. I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to see. We will have to see. There was that part where she walks away and he comes back and be- beats the cops up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That yes. That, yeah. I was like, okay, that was a quick transformation. What What? What? what are you? Are you Nalithotep? Are you Nalithotep? I don't think I even dropped his name on this podcast before. Narlithotep is is basically the, the the Jesus of Cthulhu, if there was such a thing. Oh wow! He's hmm. he's the herald. He's the forthcoming. He's the crawling chaos. He's he's a man who is super suave, can wear many faces and look like many things, but he's the ultimate evil. He wants nothing more than to see us suffer and die, so that Cthulhu can come back and rule the world as it should be. And every time I watch a Lovecraft, it's always a question of whether or not they're going to include Narlithotep. Because of how big he is to the mythos. And the more mysterious stuff happens, the more I'm like, okay, is one of you the crawling chaos? Is one of you essentially playing the role of like a almost an antichrist in, in terms of this mythos? Wow. And, who, and who could it be? Who oh, my. Be? Well, Christina Braithwaite would definitely be a contender for that role. Sure. And, and, and Abner Lithotep could be man or woman. He does not care what form he takes. Interesting. Doesn't huh. matter. I, me calling him a him shouldn't. He, it's a super it. Oh so, wow! There's no super telling. It. Super it's it. a super it. Interesting. It's not good. No, it doesn't. Not does not sound good. <laughs> it's at not all. good. It wants nothing. <laughs> it wants nothing good for us. You know what it doesn't? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like you shouldn't watch it at night. That's, that's, what, it sounds no. like. that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> so. Well, we've got more coming up for for everyone. Um, we've got episode five next. And I guess we'll talk about Aunt Hippolyta and Dee and their adventures to find out and get some answers on Uncle George's death. Yes. They made a right. They made a U-turn. And, they sure did. Yeah. So we will they see. We will get answers. We will get answers. If we don't get answers, we're still going to have some interesting uh, things to talk about. So that's for sure. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Kenny from Ghost Planet. We appreciate you guys listening and stay tuned for our next one. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. 
Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.